Growing and scaling a business is complex. It can be very scary and lonely trying to navigate it all. It comes down to the community of trusted people you surround yourself with. Let's dive in to the Business as People podcast. Welcome back, everyone. I'm super excited to have Lynn Turner, CEO of Core XP Business Solutions, back again as a guest. You know, she covers so many facets of, around growth and around mindset and around helping businesses scale, which is very aligned with a lot of things that we do here at InThink. Marketing and growth as a service is a team sport. You know, a lot of the things that we do have to coincide with all the partners that we might work with, that a business might have. All departments have to really understand all their goals and come together. Like nothing happens in a silo anymore. And you know, today, Lynn is going to dive into more of like what that experimental part looks like, exploring because the businesses constantly have to be doing that today. And if you're not doing that, you're really not transforming yourself. So Lynn, welcome back. Thank you. Like, great to be here. Back with you, Tom. So, I mean, you have so many different focuses that you can dive into. And I think today we're really going to focus on, on the experimental and exploring side of it. But at the end of it, it's really letting people know it's a mindset that they have to have a shift in. Because we see it ourselves when we go in and we're talking about marketing and, and demand generation and like why businesses are having challenges growing internally their people or growing their sales is they're having the old school mindset and mentality that not really open to newer things because of course you keep doing the old things and it's not working you have to start doing something different you have to what we're calling is unthink your marketing and rethink your strategy you know so i'm sure you're doing something very similar you're trying to help folks unthink what they're doing and rethink what they need to be doing next so let's dive into what that looks like Absolutely. So this is part of a process that I've been developing. I call it the XP process. And we're only talking about a couple of them being exploration and experimentation. And this XP process really ties to exactly what you were talking about, Com. It can help identify where an individual is with their mindset as well as where an organization is with their culture. And this process was developed through me going through the process, quite honestly, and in the development of the business that I'm in today, Core XP, I didn't know what my next was. I was partnered in a business and I was just feeling like I needed to go in a different direction. And it was really about taking time and going out and exploring what is my next because I didn't have it figured out. I don't think a lot of people have it figured out. I think people try to have it figured out. Even if they have a plan, it's okay to not stick to the plan. It's a fluid thing. It's okay to change yes. it because there's so many variables that happen in, in life and in business that as long as I feel like you have a framework yes, and, that, and that's what we try to do for all of our clients, right? Here's the framework, but there's flexibility here because you have to have some flexibility. You have to have some agility, especially, of course, we all know what we've been going through the last couple of years with the pandemic. So how did you kind of frame yourself to give yourself the freedom of experimenting or expanding to the next opportunity? 
Sure, sure. Yeah. And I love that you put framework because that was definitely what it was. So, you know, I've been working in this field as a formally trained coach and facilitator for a very long time and doing things in a fairly traditional way, you know, strategic planning and all of that. But having gone through the pandemic, I got introduced to a term, I'm not sure if I've shared it with you before, Com, called VUCA, which VUCA came out of the military, and it basically came at the end of the Cold War, ironically enough, here we are, and it's an acronym that stands for Volatility, Uncertainty, Complexity, and Ambiguity, and if that doesn't sum up what we're currently going through, I don't know what does, and kind of understanding how people were dealing with change because we were under tremendous, and that's really what VUCA is. VUCA is about not necessarily change, but really the pace of change because things have sped up so fast. And how do people really deal with that? And I think you brought up the point that things are changing and your plans need to be fluid and you need to be agile in order to adjust to things as they come because of VUCA. So that exploration piece is really about being curious and being a continuous learner. And really, you know, I feel that clients, they know their business, right? They understand the ins and outs of their business and industry, but are they looking outside their industry to see things that could possibly be disruptive to them? I can relate myself because I, I call myself a learner, but it's not easy, right? Yeah. So like when you say you got to be curious, you got to keep learning, you keep growing. And I think people have the intention to do it, but they don't do it. And it's, I don't know if it's excuses, but sometimes I have to catch myself to even say, okay, is this a priority? If this is a priority for myself or my team to learn. Like this is something we have to make sure we get done and learn this thing because it's going to benefit us. It's going to benefit the people that we serve, our clients that we serve. So do you ever run into that where you feel like people want to grow, but they just can't get there? Like, what do you feel is the hurdle? Yeah, yeah, it, it's interesting. I think it's about understanding self, right? It's really that self-awareness piece, and especially as leaders. And at one time, traditionally, leaders had the luxury of time. Things weren't happening as fast, so you could take your time, absorb things, make changes. But today things are being thrown at us so quickly. And in today's world, leadership have two basic roles. It's about managing the present and shaping the future. And typically what I find is it's very hard to find an individual that is good at both or can spend the time on both, right? So I think we talk a lot about it takes a village, right? And that's why you and I partner on different things because we understand that. And it's understanding what are our strengths? What are our limitations? Where do we operate best? And then how do we, based on that knowledge, how do we build a team around us so that we can cover all those different areas. When you're starting to work with someone or a business to like experiment, like here's a new way to approach this. What does that process look like? And like, how long does it usually take to see something like that get rolled out? 
Yeah, so the experimentation piece is, first of all, are they open to it? And that's where I'm saying it's about really understanding, having that understanding of self, whether it's for the individual or the organization as a whole. I was working with one organization and they were kind of feeling stuck. Part of it is their industry is fairly traditional. They do things a certain way. They're not big on making changes. And for their culture, and they now have a new, this particular organization has a new CEO and president who's more open-minded, but the prior CEO and president, I got the impression, I didn't know the individual, but they seem to operate under fear. And one individual in the session that I was facilitating said that they pretty much had PTSD because there was a fear of failure, fear of making mistakes that just didn't seem to be acceptable in the old culture. And now trying to move into this new culture where they're trying to make that a little more acceptable. And I mean, it's about, you know, not failing, you know, constant failure, but learning from the failures, fail fast. But that's where the innovation comes from. If we're not experimenting and testing and iterating on things, how can we be innovative? Yeah, so you can approach it two ways, right? It's failure or it's a lesson. And yeah. we do this all the time in, in, in marketing where we have to try this. I mean, there's enough data and seen other people do, let's say it's podcasting, for example, right? And people are really hesitant to get into podcasting. Even a while back, people were hesitant to do blogging. Now that's kind of like a standard or SEO or any of those things or video. It took a while for people to embrace video. But if you were the ones who were doing it in the beginning, innovative, right? Like video wasn't really common several years ago. Now it's everywhere. And you see TikTok coming out of the woodwork and they're just blowing up in growth. And some people feel like they're behind to get in here, but you're never behind if you start doing it. I think if you make the excuse like, you know what? I'm too late. It's never too late. You yeah. got to get into it. And then now once you get into it, you start to see the results reap the benefits of whatever the goals are in that channel or that tactic, then you can try to like healthily change that mindset to be like, okay, I can now try something new because I actually did something and it worked because you have to be open to push yourself and your organization to do something different because the way that people consume, the way people interact has been different. I mean, all of our mindsets and behaviors and all the underlining beliefs have shifted drastically right? We are human beings at the end of the day. So how we interact on the business side comes from the personal side. I think there's still a disconnect that we're trying to always educate our clients to say, you know, when you're selling a product, either externally, or you're selling culture internally, you're still speaking to that. That's a person, what drives them. Now, there's a lot of psychology and that's from a marketing, it's messaging. So it works internally and externally. So you have to really understand the human side of it and be open to try things and let it fail because you learn from it, right? So maybe it's, you have these internal surveys that you send out and you do it monthly. Is that enough? Not enough. Maybe you have to do it biweekly or maybe you didn't ask the right questions. I mean, there's so many variables, but you have to keep iterating, iterating, iterating until you get to a point where it's working and then all of a sudden it's not working, it's okay because things evolve, things transform. So 
people will say, this has been working. The survey has been working. We had great culture. The NPS scores have been awesome for the last year. I don't know what happened. Well, look at the data, make adjustments, and then hypothesize and go. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. A lot of things came up as you were talking. So one of the things, there's an acronym for FAIL that I've used. And one gentleman that I shared it with, he's like, oh my gosh, he said, thank you for sharing that. And the acronym for FAIL is FIRST ATTEMPT IN LEARNING. That's how we learn. And typically, a failure is something that we remember, right? Because of that emotion. And I know I've probably shared this before. I always ask the question, human beings, we're emotional beings with logic. I don't care what anybody says, we are emotional beings with logic. The closer we are to something, the more emotional we get. But to your point, emotions fuel our thoughts and our mindset, which drive our behaviors. So it's understanding that. And sometimes we don't even understand our emotions. They're at the subconscious and we can't even explain them. And that's part of the biology, the makeup of the brain that comes from our limbic system. I've been doing a lot of diving into neuroscience and have been utilizing, you mentioned that I do a lot of people analytics and there's a new assessment out called Agile Brain, which really truly measures emotion. Most assessments are cognitively based, which means people have time to think about the information and their response. So it's more cognitively based, which comes from the rational side of our brain. But this particular assessment really dives into the limbic system and into the emotion, which has no language. The rational side of our brain has language, the limbic side does not have language. So it's really important. And then the other thing that you were talking about was, um, so once you understand the power of our brain, Henry Ford had a quote that I use a lot and I believe it. And the quote is, whether you believe you can or you can't, you're right. So whatever you tell yourself, that's what you're gonna believe. And that's what you're going to base your actions or inactions on. So it's what are the stories that we tell ourselves because those will impact. And those stories, whether it's an individual or an organization, even as an organization, we tell certain stories. And those things can hold us back. And you have to listen to those, right? Because like when we're speaking to leaders or team members, because earlier point, it takes a village, not just in mm -hmm. internal employees, but also partners, whoever you're using to help grow your business. We're choice, like, I will do that, or I'll try, like, these little things make such a big difference in how you're actually telling yourself psychologically that this is going to work or get done. And also as a leader, if you say, yeah, let's try this or versus, hey, we will get this done, right? And then the marching orders are put out you execute a campaign, you execute, you know, a leadership development program, whatever it is, makes such a huge difference in the success of that project or campaign that's going live. So, and we hear those things. We have to even from our end, uncover and peel that onion to be like, it sounds like they want to do this, but there's something, there's a hiccup here. Right. There's a mindset that they're not clicking. They're like, yeah, we'll try something new. I know you guys are recommending this from InThink. We'll see how it goes. Versus like, we're very excited. 
you know, let's get this going. What do you need from us? So there's two different approaches to going live with that project. And we have to really uncover that. Is there other stakeholders? Maybe there's underlying beliefs that they think this is not going to work, but they have to do it because their boss or their company says they have to get this campaign going. You know, like same thing with they're working with you. So there's so many aspects on like making a project successful that sometimes it has nothing to be involved in actually the, the project itself. It's like going back to like working and understanding people. I think that's really the difference of why some companies are successful and organizations like yours and myself, Lynn, is because we're tuning into these variables of understanding people and understanding how to ensure that everyone's on the same page versus just coming in like, here's the project, here's the framework, here are the steps, let's go do the same thing on the next one. You really have to understand what's going on there and really communicate it very clearly and communicate in a way that they understand it so it's, there's buy-in and then there's execution of success. Yeah. You touched upon something as you were talking, which is really key. And I know you do it, but when I'm in an organization, I'm really paying attention to the language that they use because the language gives me indication of what they're really thinking and feeling. So the language, so I heard you talking about, you know, are they talking about, oh, this won't work here. That's not how we do it. You know, that may work over here, but that doesn't work here. Or do they go to, you know, are they making excuses why this won't work for them? Or are they excited? That's what I heard you talking about. Are they excited and saying, how can we make this work for us? Or how can we make it better? And I look at the mindset on a continuum. There's the closed-minded, narrow-minded, and then it moves over to open-minded. And that's kind of when you're in that um, negative mentality, scarcity mentality, the mind is closed. And that's where it's looking at, I can't, I won't, you know, and paying attention to that language. So if you're hearing that type of language, that's a red flag. And that gives an indication, at least to me, that strategies won't work. The best strategy just will not work because they're not bought in. Nobody's bought in. But if I'm hearing it more on that abundance mentality of how can we make this work and they're just more open-minded and they're willing to do it, then I have more faith that the strategies will work. So it's really paying attention to language. Language can really clue you in even like us versus them language. If you're hearing that, you know, that there's some cultural things that are happening. This visual really helped me with culture and it's the iceberg, right? So when you think of the iceberg, only about 10% of it is above the waterline is visible, right? And then the remaining 90% is submerged. Well, that 10% is typically your vision, your mission, your strategies, what people say they do as an organization. So that's what they say. That's the plaques on the wall. This is what we say how we do. But what's submerged is actually what people do. And those are rituals and traditions that really interfere with the actual strategies sometimes. Sometimes the culture can help or sometimes the culture can hinder a strategy. How do you work or get everyone to the finish line, Lynn, when like 
you have a champion who says, I'm following you. I'm aligned. I, I want to get this done, but my leadership team or this other person who we need to have buy-in is not, they're just not going to change. But you know, everyone wants this to happen. But let's say there's five people that needs to get the buy-in and you need a unanimous, but one person is just not, you know, they're playing along, but they're just not, you know, I mean, it's mannerisms, it's tone, like right. you uncover language. So how do you get that person to get buy-in? Sure, sure. So, I mean, each situation is different. I guess I can approach it in a general sense, but obviously you need to dig a little bit deeper. So I do follow a lot of John Cotter has these eight steps of change. The first step is creating a sense of urgency. Sometimes people just don't see a need for a change, right? It doesn't resonate for them. So it's really, how do you create that sense of urgency for everybody? The second piece of that, of his eight steps is create a coalition. So it's about finding those individuals that understand, that kind of get it. I know with one organization, the CEO wanted to make certain changes, but this one individual just wasn't there. But the CEO felt if I can just convince, and we'll call him Joe, if I can just convince Joe, everything will be great. Well, come to find out, Joe really, Joe was a very smart person, was a great guy, but honestly, Joe wasn't really the right fit for this organization, nor was he the right fit, not even for the organization, but their industry as a whole. And it wasn't until we did some deeper assessments that we were finding that out. And therefore, everyone was miserable. Joe wasn't happy. The CEO and the leadership team wasn't happy. It, it was kind of going through that journey and Joe finally realizing, uh, I don't really fit in here. He's now leader of another organization and doing great and everybody's happy. But sometimes we hold on to certain individuals that may not be the right fit. Not that they're not great people, but sometimes it's not the right fit. So it's about recognizing those things but two, are you creating the sense of urgency to make a change and making sure everybody understands that? And if you're trying to do it alone, you got to create that guiding coalition, get other people involved to help be your advocates. So hopefully I answered your question. Did that make sense? Yeah. As you're talking, I'm playing through all these scenarios that I've already <laughs> been through. Like we, you know, cause it's a collaboration we come in as a yeah. partner, just like you do. And it's like, yes. okay, who are all the people involved? And what we've learned over the years is that you have to really dig even deeper. Like, is there any other person that's going to influence this project? Or yes. Like, will they get involved maybe halfway through it? So then we start to find other stakeholders, even stakeholders that typically would not get involved till the end. You know, it, it could be someone who financially funds the program. It could be someone who is involved in HR who later says, hey, like, I need to know how this is going to impact our people. I know you guys are doing a lot of like marketing sales over here, or it might involve a technology person like, hey, I see we might need to invest in some software because of the things that we're doing here and we're doing some transformational stuff. So really to your point, making sure everyone's aligned and if they're not, it could really hurt a business. And, and sometimes we have to let the company come to that conclusion. Like you can't come in and just say, yes. yeah. you know, even though we have the experience kind of seeing these patterns, um, unfortunately it's not a failure, but you learn from those types yeah. of situations. And they say, you know what, maybe this person should be in a different seat or 
hey, we're moving forward here. We're growing. It's working. But unfortunately, I, I think we need to take this responsibility and give it to someone else. And that's what we want to push leaders to have that open mindset that it's okay to change and the change could be within your own people and just being vulnerable to, to say, hey, that it, even if they've been there for seven years, because we can appreciate the loyalty, but you have to make sure the business is successful at the end of the day, because then that person has a job still and that person is still doing what they're passionate about in their role. But if you're afraid to make these important decisions to grow and be, you know, even to be in these like pressure situations, then maybe this is not the right role for even that leader, right? And these are conversations that we have to have is like, hey, we're going to go to market with this strategy. Like these are the parameters, you know, it's kind of all or nothing. Like it's almost, it's like a recipe, right? Like you have a program, you can't do part of it. Like this is what works. And they're bringing, you know, you and I in to come in and make these suggestions and with proof of concept that we have, but everyone has to be aligned on agreeing like, yes, this is going to work. And it's hard because it could be scary because people to our earlier point are afraid that this could fail. And then what happens if we lose time, we lose money. So I think the businesses that really grow are the ones that are open to embrace the unknown because those are the ones that typically break through. Absolutely. And going back to our previous podcast, I mean, we talked a lot about trust during that last podcast. So if the organization doesn't have a foundation of trust, that's going to make things extremely difficult. There is a business case for trust. When you have trust, things happen faster. And because things are happening faster, costs go down, right? So you were talking about time, money, energy, all of those things. When you have trust and trust in each other, just things will happen faster. The other thing that came up for me as you were talking, so what happened with that CEO and Joe, the gentleman that he felt he had to, if Joe would just get it, everything will be fine. The other piece of that was the CEO had hired Joe, right? So it was like an admission that maybe I made a bad hire and it was really personal. It was emotional, right? I know Joe, I hired him and I want to make it successful no matter what. Well, you know, that no matter what, if you're holding on to that, sometimes it's about accepting that, okay, maybe it wasn't the right fit and that's okay. Just as long as you move through it, you know, fairly quickly, because there is a difference between loyalty and performance. And I think organizations really need to look at that. What do you reward for loyalty or performance? Just because somebody shows up at six in the morning and stays till six at night, but what are they doing in that time? Are they focused on the right things? And it may not be, you know, that they're a bad person, but again, going back to communication, are the expectations, have things been laid out clearly? And are you having those transparent and open conversations? And that requires trust. Yeah. I mean, all these are intertwining, right? And they work together. So I really enjoy our conversations, Aileen. They kind of flew by and we're going to dive a lot deeper in some other sections of what you do on our next episode. But any you know, final remarks or takeaways that, you know, if you can summarize everything, you know, because you touched upon a lot of different layers, like what would be the biggest takeaway? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everything starts with self-awareness, I guess. Are you aware of 
where you are on that continuum of thinking. And sometimes it can be situational. Something might be happening in your world that just really has you closing down on your thought process. So I guess really it's about taking stock as to who you are as an individual. And my belief is we're all leaders. I don't care what your title is, but we're all leaders. So really understanding self and it's a journey, right? So that's, I guess, where I would leave people. Well, thank you, Lynn. People can, I know, get a hold of you. We'll have all your information on the notes at the end. And we're, we're looking forward to you to coming back next time. Awesome. Love to be here. Thank you so much, yeah. Cam. If you have any questions and topics you'd like us to cover, please email me at podcast at or message me on LinkedIn.